This is uh, Joshua Bell in the Kilt and the Cloth with our Tuesday morning Bible study as we continue in the, I'm just calling them the short books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And I think we're going to go ahead and go straight into Jude today. Uh, just might as well. It's right there. I, I want to talk a little bit about 3rd John. And uh, just for historical purposes, um, this is, again, uh, I, I know I say this every time, but I just want to make sure everybody remembers the church tradition has this weird thing that makes it so that one John wrote all these books. It's physically impossible for one John to have written these books all at one time. Um the third letter of John, uh, we found in a completely different place. Uh, it's it's probably mentioned um, in the third century, um, but it was it was put in together with the rest of them uh, by the fourth century. It was still affiliated with uh, first and second, but it's uh, and it and it's attributed to it. Now, this is the part I think is cool. This is John, one of the sons of thunder. So, uh, so historically, historically, mind you, not traditionally, that we tie this to John, the son of thunder. Now, he would not have been able to write, but the, the language gives us this ability to, to hear that. Um, the, the idea of who he's writing to, uh, we, we, we don't know. Uh, obviously it's an elder. Uh, it's, 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 uh. No, he's the elder. He's the elder, and um, and there's it's the it's the same kind of name as that we read in the second John. Um, yeah, I, I think I think I'm just gonna leave it there. It's written just like a letter. You you have your hello, how's it going? There's a prayer. Uh, here's the things you need to be thinking about, and then it closes. Um, this part of the. I think part of the thing that church, Big C, likes is to keep things simple and lukewarm so they don't ever talk about that. The reason that Paul did not write this is just because Paul wrote letters like that doesn't mean that everybody uh, had to write exactly that same way. The problem with it was everybody wrote that same way. So uh, just because Paul wrote it once does not mean that he wrote the whole new testament that's my whole point um it, it's a it's a it's a formal letter writing style just just like we were all taught in elementary school or in junior high exactly sincerely sincerely yours or uh however you did that that's exactly how they wrote letters in the first century second century third century and guess what we still do it today to whom it may concern you know like it's a it's a it's a formal letter writing style. It's always fascinating to me when you start talk, talking biblically. However, uh, instantaneously, it's oh well, they have to be. It has to be a letter from Paul because Paul writes that way. Well, everybody wrote that way. So, um, and the and the and the proof is in the pudding, right? So, like even if you look at the Gospel of Luke, the Book of Acts, he starts it off exactly the same way. Oh, to my dear friend Theophilus, yada yada yada, and then he goes on and on and on. Um, but Matthew and Mark are not written that way. 
that's different. That was more of a prophetic homage to the Hebrew Bible. You know, like this is this is a, another prophetic message of a person that listened to somebody in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, and then John, the Gospel of John. The reason that we know that there are multiple authors is is that the the theology kind of shifts a couple times, and it's not because he got older and changed his mind. We're, we're talking, oh, this person doesn't believe in a in a trinitarian God. And then somewhere in the middle, yeah, this one does. And at the end, there's this, uh, we don't know, but here's, this sounds good. You know, uh, it's it's a different way of doing it. And not to mention the handwriting's different and <laughs> uh, like completely different and on totally different paper. And not that I'm bitter. Anyway, um, so when you get to the first, second, and third John, it was an homage to a person by the name of John. But I find this fascinating that John historically has always been tied to one of the sons of thunder um i think that's cool of course i like the sons of thunder for lots of reasons um questions comments before we read it because it'll take us it won't take very long no yeah it, it, it's a great question no it's third or fourth century so we think sons of thunder were at the time of christ and uh, interestingly enough, the, the Sons of Thunder, I've been doing a lot of research about this. Huh? Yeah, James and John, right? Not the book of James, because James is the guy that they say is the brother of Jesus. It's a it's a traditional thing for them in the first century. Um, but James and John, I've been doing a lot of research here uh, lately about what happens to the disciples after Jesus dies? Like we, we don't know, but the, the, the tradition, the Orthodox tradition specifically has like this, this lineage of how they died and what they died for and where they died. Um, like some say that Peter dies in Rome, which he does. Um, <laughs> some say he dies in India. Uh, another one says that he died at not him. Um, Barnabas, who is a follower of Paul uh, makes it, and I'm I'm going to say this wrong. Geographically, goes to a different place, and he and he's he's martyred. Interestingly enough, historically, there's this traditional understanding of what happens to the disciples, and they're all martyred, um, according to the Orthodox tradition. This is not Catholic. This is the Eastern Orthodox tradition. Catholics have uh, an understanding of what happens to them, and they were also martyred. Uh, but the interesting thing for me is geographically, they die in different places. There's a political struggle between Eastern Orthodox and Catholicism that takes place. But um, historically, what happens to James and John, which is where I was going to this, they were both martyred, but martyred in different places. So somehow, after Jesus dies, uh, John goes to a different geographical place and James goes to another place. James gets, uh, I think, beheaded, but don't quote me on that. And then John gets uh, uh, crucified. Um, historically, does anybody know how many of them were hung upside down and crucified? Peter and Andrew. Andrew is also uh, crucified upside down and, and uh, historically. 
understand that's the the traditional understanding is just that Peter and Andrew were were crucified upside down. Uh, I don't know. I, I really would love to give you a straight answer on that one. I'm sorry, it doesn't follow the reason to crucify the other way. This does doesn't accept the longer. Mm -hmm. It takes longer to die. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know why. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, speculation. Like there's a like Peter said by the same way of Jesus. Exactly. The tradition says, I don't want to die like Jesus does. He has a choice. Right. Also kind of yeah. Peter yeah, gets to choose. The Romans said, oh, sure, Peter, we'll just do you upside down because we did Jesus this way. Because, you know, the Romans could care so much about what Peter had to say. You know, I, I, I think it's fascinating how the traditions have talked about their death, which is the reason I'm going to this, Pam, is if it's written in the third century, there's now been 200 years almost, you know, or 150 years at least, where people have talked about the death of these disciples. And John, the son of Zebedee, was a full-blown disciple. So this letter coming from him has a different significance to this new audience because we tend to believe in the third century. Does anybody know what was happening at that point? 200s? Hmm? After the destruction. At, yeah, the destruction of the temples happened. It's we're now in the year two hundreds. The and Roman Empire has exploded. Depending on when, getting close to the Christianity. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So Christianity is getting ready to become the Roman religion in three twelve. Right. So third century is in the year 200 on. Right. Uh, martyrs are a thing. Um, Christians are lying themselves down in the road and letting the Roman Empire trample over them. They're historically they're dying in the name of their faith. We have rebellions, uh, Christian re rebellions taking place all over the Roman Empire where they are arming themselves with sticks and slingshots. In, in between 200 and 300. It's not the Maccabees. Way, way before. Okay. Yeah. But we have Christian rebellions taking place between 200 and 300 um, that are now taking place. So if John, the son of Zebedee, was known as the son of thunder, writes this letter to a group of people that are known as the martyrs, this letter is going to have a different Im impact, which is where I go back to your original question. It's interesting that the Right. Yeah. So let's read it. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Uh, obviously a Roman name, presumably a leader of a congregation. Um, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health, just as it is, as it is well with your soul. 
I was overjoyed with when some of the friends arrived and testified to your faithfulness to the truth. I don't like that word. What is that word? Which one? Uh, is it supposed to be brothers? Is it? It's brothers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it should say, when some of the brothers arrived and testified to your faithfulness to the truth, namely how you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brothers. Should be that, right? Yeah, Some of yours might have friends. That's teachers. Yeah, which would be an interesting translation. Uh, why they would put teachers there. I, I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, I do. Anyway, uh, even though they are strangers to you, they have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on in a manner of worthy of God. For they began their journey for the sake of Christ, accepting no support from non-believers. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that they may become co-workers with the truth. Yeah, that's not the translation. What's verse 8? It is? It's... Um... That is co-workers, right? It's, well, it's not really co-workers, but it's more like a, it's something like that. Yeah. Partners. Partners would be. Yeah. Yeah. Work, working together is the most important part. I've written something to the church, but Diatrophes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. I'm sorry. Um, so if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing in spreading false charges against us. And not content with those charges, he refuses to welcome the brothers and even prevents those who want to do so and expels them from the church. Ecclesia, right? Not that I'm bitter. Not that I'm bitter. <laughs> right. Yeah, thank you. Not that I'm bitter. Uh, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. This is what you all have heard your whole lives. This comes from that passage. Um Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Everyone has testified favorably about Demetrius, and so has the truth itself. We also testify for him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. Instead, I hope to see you soon, and we will talk together face to face. Peace to you, the friends, the brothers, right? Or should say the friends. Philo. It's friend, Philo. 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 Send you their greetings. Greet the friends there, each by name. Um, when it says face, yours says face to face. Yeah. The word is stoma. It's mouth to mouth. Mouth to mouth, and that that's actually a bigger deal. It should be mouth to mouth because that's the breath of God coming from you. Stoma means more theologically than face to face. Um. That's that's all there is to it. So we think, great, fantastic. Short, sweet, doesn't really say anything except for the one passage that we quote. We've made posters of. We make signs of. Uh, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. <clears throat> they make great t-shirts 
that's, that's we use we use that passage of scripture for everything. The word for bad is kakon, which I think is an interesting sound. Kakon. <laughs> 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 that's funny. Well, so they say in uh -huh. true translation. Uh, pretty close. I think that's why he's saying I don't want to. I don't want to keep writing it with it because it's super expensive. I would say that, but I. I don't. I'm not really sure. It's. It's a weird. It's a weird closing. Wondering if it times is really Oh. Oh. Yeah. No. I. I see what you're saying. I. I'm not really sure. I. I'm, I don't want to give you a fake answer. I, you know, he was he was talking about the younger guys. This is a letter specifically written to the church. You know, and though you might put different people's names in there, I mean, you can send the same letter to multiple churches and just change names. Except, mm -hmm. specific Except you're complaining about Demetrius. I guess where I'm headed at is this is not. A recounting of a recount of, of uh, history, right? So it it defined. There's a set time is where I'm headed at. This isn't something that Moses was talking about. No, that yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, dated. yeah, no. So this, the, yeah, okay, I'm with you on that. So yeah, even just the language pen and ink would be different than anything that you would have found in the Hebrew Bible. Because they wouldn't have written that way, so it, it it dates it just by that language. Yeah, sure, I'd go with that. Nothing wrong with any of that. It's just no. It's back to what you talked about. This is a different than. Well, even first and second, John. This is different than Matthew. Sure, I mean, sure. Or even Luke. Yes, very much so. Luke's bringing it into the here and now. Mm -hmm. But it's still a. It's not a recanting of the story. This is what we This is specific. Mm -hmm. Now, I will tell you that the interesting thing for me on this, because as you're bringing that up, there was a lot of questions about it making it into the canon. Like, is it necessary for it to be in the Bible? Um, when the Council of Trent met, so, I know we've had this conversation before, but do you all remember how the you received what we call the canon the bible several different councils you never heard this and megan remembers hearing the pieces i'll give you the short version i'll give you a thousand years in less than five minutes people started writing instantaneously after jesus dies uh in the first century uh, the most prolific writer was paul uh, but he he was not the only one there were several that were writing at that time. Um, and we know that there ends up being about 66 books of the New Testament around Jesus uh, that people argued about for a long time. And so in three, uh, and those listening to the recording, the dates are going to be a little bit off, but I'm close. We'll just say 340s. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Eusebius. So, 312 happens. Constantine says Christianity is now the Roman Empire's religion, which was unheard of. Um, in 325, he, he creates the Council of Nicaea, and he says, 
you are not allowed to leave this room until you have uh, a creed that we're going to follow. And that's where we get the Nicene Creed. Remember the Romans, everything's about creeds. So it has nothing to do with being Catholic, by the way. This is where Protestants turn their anti-Catholic Catholicism jargon out. And it makes me so angry. Right. And, and, it, and it becomes a part of these traditions later on. But at the time, it's purely Roman. You know, it's uh, Constantine says you're going to do this. So in, they, they, there's this long story that it takes place and they get it all done. And they can't leave the building until they have it finished. And they finally leave under uh, armed guard, right? And they have a Nicene Creed. In 340-ish, a, a theologian uh, by the name of Eusebius says, we're going to take all of these letters and we're going to use these as the teaching tools of Christianity to pass around the Roman Empire. That's right. This one over here is following Matthew. That's right. I mean, there were, each one of these books potentially had uh, several congregations. That is 100% true. Uh, all of all of Paul's teachings, all of Paul's writings, they had all these different churches all over the Roman Empire that couldn't agree on anything. So the goal was Eusebius is trying to put it all together so that they all have a common thread of what god is what jesus is how and if there is a holy spirit what does that look like and in that he had the gospel of thomas which has 144 sayings of jesus he also had the gospel of mary and instead of the revelation of john he had the apocryphon of peter in 356 anastasius comes in he's another theologian and he says well, I don't want Thomas. I want the Gospel of John, which they still struggled on. And we're going to add these other little books. And we're going to get rid of the Revelation of, or Apocrypha of Peter. We're going to put Revelation of John because he likes John. You, do you see this? And, and all of a sudden, all these Johns start coming in. There's also another book of John, but we're not going to get into that. And uh, we're going to add some of these other stories. And, um, and we're going to put them together. So that's 356. They never agreed on exactly what was going to be the official canon uh, until 1420-ish um, when the Council of Trent, this one of the many councils of Trent finally said, this is where the buck stops. This is how it's going to go. If you don't like it, too bad. You're going to burn in hell. Uh, and then the phrase, the authorized version of the canon language came out. So, and it was written in um, Latin. Uh, by that point, they had changed different languages, but Latin became the official language of God again. So it went from Hebrew to Greek, Greek to Latin, Latin. And then they're all like, but not all of us can read Latin. Well, that's because we're in power. The only ones that need to understand it are the ones in power. Until King James came along. And James was always about uh, making himself immortal. He was he loved being powerful. And so he forced his people in England to translate this into their own language. But fascinatingly enough, because 
one group used Latin, I'm not going to say their names, Catholics, said, we don't want to do that because they use Latin. We're going to use the original Greek. So we're going to use the Septuagint to translate into the King James Virgin, Version because we always had it. It wasn't gone. It wasn't hidden. It was just, we don't want to use it because it's old, right? The part that's bad about that is, is the Septuagint uh, translates Hebrew into Greek. So the Hebrew Bible never really was appropriate when you did the King James Version. Like it misses a whole bunch of nuance. So, but it was still cool. So we get the King James Version. And now it's the only authorized version of the Bible. So, so the early uh, King James Version from that point on became the only English-speaking Bible. Luther translates his Bible from uh, Latin into German. Like he, he uh, and then you have all these other translations from uh, Septuagint into English that they all argue and uh, Calvin does a translation, which is kind of fascinating. But, and I have the whole translation society from when he wrote it in my office. My grandfather kept it. So I have books that are from the uh, 1600s that, that shows these translations anyway so then you then you get to today now you have people that have studied as much as we can about hebrew language and the greek language that by the time you have today you have all of this all of these resources available literally i can pull up the greek new testament online and and use our uh i'm going to hold your book up this is the uh, alon translation of the uh the, the New Testament in Greece. This was the book that everybody used in the 20th century, and no, and today of the the of the Greek New Testament. Uh, this this is what Sally took in, in school. This is what my dad took in school. This is what I I had to use as a resource in school. Um, and and Ted and Ted used it too. Um, but it's only the New Testament, and then we have new scholars that have focused in on the Hebrew Bible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's cool it's amazing how much the technology is trying to keep up with it and the translation stuff is so important um so the No. 16. 16. 1623. Yeah. That feels right. I don't. Or is it 50? Yeah. Let's just cheat. We got it in the right hundred. Yeah. I mean, at that time, everything was moving slowly. While you're looking at that, Josh, I read an article about the people that. King James brought together. Uh -huh. um, why? None of the guys were similar and none of the breed. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was very interesting. One of them went off to be a pirate after he. Right. I mean, just, yeah, for real. Uh, it took place from uh, 1604 to 1611. The first edition appeared in 1611. Uh, and then I think, uh, let's look at. Luther's 
the Bible, the Luther Bible. That happened. Yeah, see, this is why it was fascinating to me. He's the first one that translated into in, into another language. It's 1522. And he, and he included the Apocrypha in 1534, um, which that should matter to you. He translated it from the Latin Vulgate, but also the Greek. Uh, and I have one of those in, in my office, too. So, um, I was going to ask about the Latin Vulgate. Mm -hmm. That was to put it in the in the vulgar, the common language right. of the people who ever spoke Latin. Yeah, in the 4th um, century. In the 4th century, 410 or something. Yeah. And which what books did he did he put in there because they hadn't done anything to decide which books were which? Uh yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, it's it was mostly done by what we by a guy named what we call him Saint Jerome. And I've mentioned Jerome before. He was he was the guy that threw himself on a thorn bush and tore off his anatomy. Did you not hear this part? Yeah, he's one of the early desert fathers. He he felt that women were the devil, so much so that when he went out into the wilderness to fast, that he had hallucinations of, of demon women that were messing with him. And he he uh I think it's him that threw himself onto a thorn bush and literally tore off his anatomy so that he wouldn't ever be tempted by women again. I mean, everybody has their little quirk, I guess. That's uh, pretty serious. That's right. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, I love, I love having these conversations with adults because then they go, oh, well, let me tell you, he uh, did this. Let me... Yeah, we didn't, we didn't talk about this. And we want to follow St. Jerome Barney. Yeah, well. I'm trying to find his books. No, yeah, he's definitely not. He's definitely not. Okay, he so he he has the book of Ezra, Nehemiah, Estrus, which is in the uh, Apocrypha, but he uses the Tanakh. He translates that directly from Hebrew into Latin. And then he used the, I'm trying to make sure I'm saying this right. Yeah, he just uses the Septuagint. Ah, here we go. That's what we got. So he has the whole Torah, Kings, uh, first and second, first and second Samuel, Chronicles, Ezra, Tobit, Judith, Esther, Job, Galatian Psalms, which is a different book we don't have. Song of Songs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the Minor Prophets, and then he has the Gospels, then the Epistles, and then... He writes notes on Esther, and then he adds the Hebrew Psalms, but he, he. So he did the, the Gospels and some of the Epistles. Yep. Even though nobody had said that was a canon. That is correct. And he does not use um, Revelation. Revelation mm -hmm. to John is not in his understanding. You see, I, I, I make a big deal out of this, gang, because this this it's important that we have these discussions when we're reading these things especially these small little books right these small little books affected the way people believe in just one line this is the perfect example of proof texting that has taken place for over two millennia why is third john so important well if it's john son of zebedee and he was a martyr Listen to that statement. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. Whoever does good 
from is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Boom. That's the whole point of what we just read. He follows through with it. And he follows through with it. He dies. Whatever guy, Demetrius, or whatever his name mm -hmm. is. Oh, that wasn't a bad one. Exactly. He's, was, uh, uh, di diatrophies. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> don't do like they do. That's right. Them, uh, we think well of them. That's right. However he stated it. It's a, it's a thing. Also, we, we've talked about brothers uh, and translation teacher. At that time, would men be the only ones? Yeah, it, every uh, yeah, and I and I just just to make it simple, gang. It, this this these were all written by guys that didn't care what women had to say in any way, shape, or form. So, if your translation says something about uh, brothers and sisters, that's an insert. They didn't care about the sisters. It was always dudes. Sorry, I love you all. I don't want to sugarcoat this anymore. Uh, you remember I always tell you I'm always one sentence away from getting fired. This is that one. You know that women were the devil. They they had been the devil until uh, the 20th century, and then people said, "Oh, uh, maybe that's not the the language we should be using." And the um, reason I mentioned that that's the only reason they take to my mind from teachers and brothers. Yes, when they're writing this, they know. Yes. Yes. There is a lot of uh, truth to that. I, I think my Hebrew Bible professor would tell you that they were also the, the the most intimidating part of their culture. They outnumbered the men, number one. Number two, they're also the ones that taught, which is I think is cool that your translation has teachers. The teachers were the women of the faith. Uh, that passed on for centuries because the guys went out and fought and lived out in the fields and blah, 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 blah. And, and they never came back, <laughs> you know. So, well, uh, just because we have enough time, I'm going to start the book of Jude because we're having this really cool historical conversation I'm going to melt your brain just a little further. Jude, for example, uh, has been historically tied as the possibility of being the brother of Jesus. Another one of Jesus's brother. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but remember, James is also tied to being the brother of Jesus. That's right. That's right. So it's it starts off with historically, I you know I'm I'm James's brother, you know, and and we're like, uh huh, yeah. So that means if you're James's brother, then you've got to be Jesus's brother. Um, this this writer is a uh, hundred percent Jewish. Like he he thinks theologically Jewish. He uh, he wants you to understand the difference between uh, false teachers. Um, the the interesting thing is, as we're talking about this, most scholars put this being written in the first century, um, whereas in first, second, and third John, second and third centuries, this one would have been in the first century. Um, why that's cool? I I just think it's neat that they they do this. The debate in scholarly world is if this is not Jesus's brother then it's an homage to Jesus's brother. 
they're writing on his behalf, which again, like we've talked about ad nauseum, was normal. You know, it's they're trying to make a difference in the world. It makes sense to use Jesus's brother's name. Um, there was something else I wanted to say. There's a, a little bit of um, um, apocalyptic language in this that was also normal. Uh, remember, if this is written in the first century, there's a, a sense of fear. Jesus has died. He's resurrected. He's gone. Now we're just waiting for his uh, second coming. Like cause he says, I'll be back with you. Right. Um, so there's a sense of urgency and I don't remember what professor it was, and maybe I'm just putting it in my brain like that, but one of my professors always said that you can tell if it was written in the first century if it's got apocalyptic language in it. Like, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, so you need to have your souls prepared. Um, that's how you know that's a good sign that it was written in the first century. So if the uh, Oh, who knows? 14, he's 16 years younger. Yeah. So this was supposed to get Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 50. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, very bad nutrition, horrible living environment. The infant mortality rate was through the roof. So the fact I was going to say the infant mortality rate is what skews a lot of people. When you hear yeah. up there, you think, oh, that's just oh, that's the average. Yeah, that's the average. And you had 10 kids because only four. Right. That's exactly right. It's, it's always fascinating to me because we talk about Jesus' brothers and sisters. They're, they're mentioned uh, in another text. That he had both, um, but I don't. I don't think it's an arcana. But anyway, the point is that he had multiple siblings. James and Jude are automatically tied to him historically, right? Um, the when they would have died, we're not really sure. Um, Jude Jude is one of those weird ones that the Eastern Orthodox have a story for him too, that he dies as a murder pretty much in the Eastern Orthodox church. Everyone that claims Jesus as savior that's in the Bible dies a horrific death. I mean, that's, I'm not trying to be a weirdo, but that's really, uh, that's really kind of how it happens. Did I say Hebrew Bible or did I say Bible? Okay. So, uh, if he's claiming himself, if he is himself as a brother, Century to claim the to Jesus, yes, would be a 
So it would make sense that you just say, oh, yeah, Chinese. Right. In Yes. Yes. So there's 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 a sense of protection, but at, at the same time, I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus. And he starts off with, "I'm a Jude, a servant of Jesus," but it's not the right word. Slave. It should it's be slave. slave. Yeah. It should be Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ. That's that language that we start using in that first century. Remember, I always talk about how Paul always used doulos and all of his stuff. You know, because that's what they are. They're they're slaves. So, I would, in my thoughts, still just goes back to if if Jesus is the Son of God, you claim to be a brother, as in a direct brother, not, not collectively as brothers and sisters. You're almost claiming to be Son of God. Yes, I mean, <laughs> I, I think. Go back just, I think, even within the Jewish community, better tread softly. Yes. Saying, even though they're going to say he's a prophet, I mean, it's just a dangerous statement, I think, at that time. It is. It's a horrible statement because if you, if you align yourself with Jesus, then you're saying that you're, that you had an immaculate conception just like Jesus or that God was in, involved with your birth. exactly which you don't say that's right and, and so it's brilliant how he starts this off that's right so let's start there we're gonna we're gonna read for a little bit uh we'll introduce the book of jude unless you have any more questions or comments sorry i rabbit trailed all over the place today i, I hadn't had that much caffeine but <laughs> but this is well, this is this is this is important stuff when you talk about these books. This we we don't spend time in them because they're short and they don't really, in our minds, serve a purpose. But if this was written in the first century, and we attribute this to being a brother of James, aka the Jesus's brothers, um, then this has a totally different historical significance. So let's start there. Jude, a slave or servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, who are beloved uh, or sanctified, I think is the word supposed to be. Anyway, God, the Father, and kept safe for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Oh, how sweet. <laughs> beloved, while eagerly preparing to write to you about the salvation we share. Now, this is interesting language. I find it necessary to write an appeal to you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain intruders have stolen in among you people who long ago were designated for this condemnation as ungodly, who pervert the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I desire to remind you that though you are fully informed, that the Lord, who once for all saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels, who did not keep their own position but left their proper dwelling, had he kept in eternal chains in deepest darkness for the judgment of the great day, 
Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which in the same manner as they indulged in, now this is important that you all hear this translation appropriately. Your translations are going to say something about sexual immorality and pursued unnatural lust. Uh, the translation there is, uh, what is it? Over flesh. Yeah, it's not, it's not lust. Oh. Went after other flesh. Different flesh. Different flesh. Not unnatural lust, just different flesh. That's, that's a different translation that the world has used. Served as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Okay, so I'm just going to pause right there because it gets darker. Um, first, this is the only mention of the angels being cast out of heaven and put into an internal fire of damnation. Uh, that in the in in the chains in they're quoting directly from the Hebrew Bible. Um, I gotta find it. Uh, where's it? It's not in. No, no, no. So, but it, it's eternal fire. Yeah, this bad place. So some some would argue that this is where purgatory comes from. Uh, I think if I remember Dante's graph he uses this passage of scripture for his 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 picture like he has uh i don't want to know it's more defined elsewhere right but the thought has this is where it comes from yeah so dante algieri folks this is where i'm gonna melt your brain even more is the reason that we have purgatory and heaven and hell like the, the way that you all understand heaven and hell came from him and he uses bits and pieces of Jude and bits and pieces of the rest of the New Testament to show you where everybody is. So, like, there's multiple levels of hell. The nobles, of course, are at the very bottom because they have they're the horrible people. And then it goes up different levels to the point where you're even lying to someone. And and then at the bottom where the nobles are, he has them the angels there. And he on his graph, I really think I remember it this way. He has this passage of scripture tied to that. Now, the interesting thing is, is that when he was translating it, where it says the unnatural flesh, uh, they're angels in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what the problem was. Now, what the world has translated as is, is well, this is, this is all about homosexuality. No, no, no. Even in the Hebrew culture, the, the sin of or the missing the mark of Sodom and Gomorrah was they did not extend hospitality to the angels of God. And then the angels of God, which have no sex, by the way, and they understood it as such, they were going to, because they were so stupid and demented, they were going to rape these vessels of God. Remember, in the Hebrew world, if you play the role of God, which means you overpower someone, which means if you rape someone unnaturally, you are playing God. That's what they're talking about here. 
when you enforce your physical power upon another human being, that is unnatural and you are playing the role of God. And therefore you should be burning in the fiery pits of hell. Oh, sorry. I had to get that off my chest. But here is eternal fire. And here's an eternal fire. No, he says there's an undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. And that's, and that's where we're going to stop today. We're going to stop there. But I, I, I wanted you all to hear that in a different way of translation because uh, your translations have taken liberty from the Greek translation of unnatural flesh and have said, well, because of this, because of that. Well, I, I, I can I can hear where the culture has, has used it that way. But I, I think to make statements like that, we, we have to be very careful. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah was written in the Hebrew Bible specifically because they chose not to extend hospitality to the vessels of God and then therefore tried to play God by overpowering them, by wanting to rape them so much. And and just, just to throw it out, even to make it even more complicated, Lot even offers his daughters to the audience and says, here, take them instead. And they said, no, we want them. We want these vessels of God, right? Uh, now, of course, it does say that they were men, but that's not the point for the Hebrew world. This is God on earth that we are trying to take and overpower and physically rape them. That's the part of the story that's important, which is why I have a, a problem with my translation, the NRSV, where it says unnatural lust, because in the Hebrew Bible, I mean, in, in the Greek text, it is unnatural flesh. So, uh, or no, um, different flesh, which is not human right it's 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 an awful awful thing if you think about that it's this overpowering another human being by by doing that you are that's unnatural that's that's awful that's that should never take place and those people which the romans ding 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 did on a regular basis um they would when the romans i've said this to you before also ad nauseum then romans would take over a village they would take the town elder and the, the praetor of the group would would rape that the, the elder of the community in front of the entire village so that they all knew who was in charge. You know, this this is that type of language. It's unnatural um, forcing and, and overpowering of a human being. So those of you listening on the recording, um, my therapist's phone number is and but uh in all seriousness, that's that's the part I really wanted us to get to in here. We'll stop there and we'll start at verse eight uh, next week. And I will. Did anybody question comments since I melted your brain in two Just minutes? Quick, on John three, my commentary uh, says that basically the marriage is about uh, it doesn't say poor, but inviting these people in and taking care of them, which yes. Uh, that's exactly right. Back to everything you said about Sodom and Gomorrah and everything else. It's, you're not doing what God said you should do. Anyway, the flip side, or that's what they were saying, is, you know, with all the letter and people's names, that at the bottom of it, he's thanking them for welcoming in. You're strangers. Treating them right and sending them on down the road. Which is, according to Torah, fully acknowledging the mark that God has given to us. So we'll 
stop the recording.